You're listening to an ACA podcast. Thank you for joining us in today's discussion. My name is Bianca Winata Putri. I'm the Public Programs Coordinator at ACA. I am Zooming in today from my living room slash home office. I am a Chinese Indonesian woman in her mid-20s. I have glasses on and I'm wearing a black sweater. I'm sitting close to my computer, so you can only see my head and shoulders, with white walls behind me and a red colored framed artwork. There is also a relatively huge monstera plant in the background as well. I'd like to start by acknowledging that today I'm speaking to you as a visitor on the lands of the Kulin nations, and I'd like to extend my respects to elders past, present, and emerging of these lands, and of the lands on which you are all joining us today from. This program is the third in an ongoing series of think tanks associated with Who's Afraid of Public Space, an exhibition and research project initiated by ECA. Who's Afraid of Public Space is developed by Max Delaney, Artistic Director and CEO, Annika Christensen, Senior Curator, and Miriam Kelly, Curator at ACA, and an assembly of external curatorial advisors and collaborators. This project continues ACA's series of big picture exhibitions inaugurated with Sovereignty in 2016 and followed by Unfinished Business, Perspectives on Art and Feminism in 2017. Who's Afraid of Public Space stems from the growing need in Australia to explore the role of public culture, the contested nature of public space, and the character and composition of public life itself. The project engages with contemporary art and cultural practices to consider critical ideas as to what constitutes public culture and to ask who might it be for. Although this project was conceived before the global pandemic, the questions and provocations are now more pertinent than ever. It feels more urgent to talk more about the varied ways in which public spaces are designed and used and also to interrogate for whom public space is accessible, welcoming, and safe for. The exhibition part of this project will take place in the summer of 2021 to 22 in a dispersed format, both at ECA and in the public realm, as well as across Melbourne within the programs of partnering institutions. ECA is pleased to be partnering with the Abbotsford Convent, Arts Project Australia, Black Dot, bus projects, and Footscray Community Arts Centre. We are especially grateful to co-present with our partners these think tanks over the coming year. The full series of think tanks discussions will feed into the development of the exhibition and associated programming, and through their life online, will contribute to a rich consideration of the increasingly complex na nature of the public realm. Today's session is developed in partnership with Arts Project Australia. Arts Project Australia plays an innovative and leading role in the arts and disability sector. For nearly five decades since its inception, they have delivered significant exhibitions and programs and offered opportunities and experiences for artists to be included in exhibitions and represented in public and private collection. A few housekeeping items before we start a discussion. Please submit your questions via the Q&A tab and we will try to answer them at the end of the session if time permits. We're also joined today by our live Auslan interpreters, Tyson and David. This session is also being recorded for podcast and video release, which will be accessible via ACA's website and through your favorite podcast provider. Closed captions is also available live for this webinar as well as for the video recording.
It is now my great pleasure to welcome our panel, Sim Lutin, Curator at Arts Project Australia, Michael Kamakaris, Arts Project Australia Studio Artist, Dewi Cook, CEO of The Social Studio, and Ed Service, Tenancy and Community Manager at Collingwood Yards. Unfortunately, one of our panel members, Eleanor Jackson, is unable to join us today and extends her apologies. We do have quite a big panel tonight, which is very exciting, and I look forward to hearing from you all shortly. Sim, I will hand it over to you for introductions. To provide a visual description of where Sim is, which got cut out by the internet connection, um, Sim is at her home study. She is wearing a black shirt with a bookcase behind her um, and a few plants behind as well. I have a background in art and craft, having worked in the art sector for over 20 years as a maker, curator, arts producer, uh, manager and administrator. So for the past 13 years, I have worked at Arts Project Australia as their curator and gallery manager, um, where, as Bianca said, a Melbourne-based arts organisation with a national and international reach. And we support about 150 artists a week through our studio program in Northcote and uh, up until last year uh, through a gallery program in Northcote, which we've now moved to Collingwood Yards. Uh, uh, up until last year, all of our studio sessions were delivered online. Now uh, we also offer a satellite arts program and we're essentially a, a social enterprise that you know, promotes and advocates uh, and supports artists and their artwork into the contemporary art sector. So that's our driving uh, goal. I'm also the co-founder of Art et al, a new international inclusive arts platform, curatorial platform uh, that I've created with my colleagues in the UK to an arts project created to raise the profile of artists from supported studios as well as their peers and arts professionals through commissioned projects. Uh, the aim is, as is arts projects, to elevate diverse voices and creative practices. Um, and we deliver peer-to-peer -peer projects, writing, studio profiles, and um, exhibitions online and hopefully in real life in Australia and the UK later this year and early next year. So I have a passion for supporting neurodiverse and marginalised artists to be seen meaningfully connected and represented in contemporary art and culture sectors. And in order to do this effectively, um, you know, I strongly believe in collaborating, listening to people who are artists in the sector and practitioners in the sector to expand the role and definition of contemporary art. So I do want to talk about accessibility, perhaps the and visibility, but also touching on the more important or the harder problem, more complex problem, which is inclusivity and maintaining that access being a tool um, for, you know, people to gain access to things virtually or in real life, but it's inclusivity um, leading to visibility, which are the main areas which I'm very hopeful we'll get to discuss later in this session. Thanks, Sam. Uh, pass it over to Michael. 
Thank you, um, Bianca. Um, hello, I'm Michael, I'm Michael Kandakaris. I'm a 44-year-old artist, and I've been at Arts Project Australia since 2010. I too would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are meeting. I'm currently sitting in an attic at home, um, which I use as, um, as a study for Zoom sessions. The house is on Mount Eagle in Eaglemont, close to where the Heidelberg School of Art began. I'm wearing a green jumper and behind me is a wooden door painted in kind of Greek island colors. I have various disabilities due to lung damage and low oxygen when I was born, including short-term memory, low muscle tone, and I have Asperger's syndrome. As a result of these conditions and growing up with the learning problems, I have also have depression, anxiety, and social anxiety. My art pra practice encompasses drawing, painting, collage, printmaking, and ceramics. And I explore themes such as climate change, the natural world, and mythology. Because of my low muscle tone, I tend to paint and draw in bold, colorful, abstract, expressionist style. I love Picasso and John Olson's work and their style suits much of my work. I exhibit widely and through Arts Project. I've had a drawing wall commission at Shepparton Art Museum in 2013, a traineeship at Leonard Joel Auction House in 2019 and 2020. And this year I curated an exhibition called Antidote on the Art et al website that Sim was talking about earlier. It seems that my exhibition will also become part of an exhibition and arts project alongside international artists. I'm also about to start a gallery mentorship for curating at Blindside Gallery. I've also been a member of the Northcote Penguins, a professional art collective at Arts Project that began in 2015. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Um, hand it over to Dewey now. Hey everyone, my name is Dewey Cook. I'm the CEO of The Social Studio. Um, I'm talking to you from our um, workshop at the Collingwood Yards in Collingwood. And I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we work and operate, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Um, the Social Studio is a not-for-profit social enterprise. Um, we work uh, primarily with young people from refugee and new migrant backgrounds. And um, our mission is to um, provide work and learning opportunities in fashion and the creative industries. Um, and we really believe that um, fashion and um, arts and craft is a way to not only sort of amplify and elevate um, the stories of people from um, new migrant and refugee backgrounds, but also find a way to connect culturally um, for them, you know, within Australia and, um, and really celebrate the talents and abilities that they come to this country with. Um, we have, we're a complex beast, I suppose. We have a, um, a free school where we teach uh, Certificate 3 in clothing production um, and we deliver that through RMIT, they're our partner university. So at the end of a two-year program, students come out with um, an RMIT TAFE qualification in clothing production that is an industry standard. Um, and we also have a Ethical Clothing Australia accredited manufacturing studio 
Um, so provide work opportunities for our, um, our community there as well, um, as well as creating clothing from a whole range of um, clients from well-known brands to um, small and emerging labels and um, some galleries and museums in between as well. Um, we've been Ethical Clothing Australia accredited now for 11 years and we're really proud of that fact um, that we can provide not just a sort of safe um, and supportive uh, work environment and learning environment but one where um, workers are paid uh, well and protected. So we also have as our third um, arm a retail uh, business both online and in the Collingwood Yards as a bricks and mortar store um, and that is a sort of socially conscious retail venture. We stock um, exclusively Black, Indigenous and people of colour or culturally diverse creatives or brands that support those um, creatives um, and we really try to think of it as not as a transactional space but a community space um, both online and in, in real life. Um, so our bricks and mortar shop for example, has been um, turned into a gallery space when we did a product launch. It's been turned into um, a runway for um, a couple of our staff members who launched their labels and it's been turned into sort of a pop-up modest fashion store for one of our former alumni and we try to kind of give that space over to um, those in our community as much as they want. Um, likewise, uh, what we do online is just really try to promote not just the items that people create, but also the stories behind them. Um, so yeah, that's that's a bit about the social studio. Um, happy to talk more once everything gets going. Excellent. Thanks, Dewey. And last we have Ed. Hello. Thank you, Bianca and everyone. Um, my name is Ed Service. I'm zooming in from Wurundjeri country as well, up here in Darabin. I'm a white guy with some fluffy hair and headphones on. I've got a blurry background, um, so no one can see my room. Um, I am originally from Wellington and Aotearoa, in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and I moved to Melbourne about 10 years ago and have a background in studies of political science and eventually moving through into urban planning and uh, a background in music and in the arts. And I've kind of tried to dedicate my career to marrying the arts and urban planning and understandings of urban space and themes of justice and equity and accessibility through urban spaces. Um, so I'm very lucky then to have a role at the Collingwood Yards, which I think helps to express that. Um, and you can see a nice photo there and a beautiful banner that uh, day when the social studio crew created for us for our launch. Um, it's a beautiful courtyard. Um, Collingwood Yards is an independent non-for-profit um, social enterprise that was created to support emerging artists and arts organizations who are central to the Collingwood community, Melbourne's community and creative future. We were essentially created to provide affordable workspace in Collingwood in perpetuity. Um, we hold the title to the site and will continue to provide affordable workspace until they rip it out of our hands and hopefully that will never happen. Um, I'm also extremely interested in the topics that day we and Sam and this whole webinar is about topics of equity, access, inclusion. And really for me though, it's a, I see affordable and accessible public spaces and spaces that we can create outside of the market and market delivery and you know, the royal of everyday capitalism 
um, as as being these spaces where we can really create radical radical inclusion, radical meanings, new ways of meaning and understanding one another. Um, and yeah, that's what I guess I'd like to touch on today. So thanks very much for having me. Thanks, Ed. So I'll just stop this sh uh, screen share and we'll just uh, kick off the discussion. Uh, so thank you everyone. That was really great introduction. I feel like we definitely got the gist of each of your practice and your organizations. Um, and I really appreciate also just hearing already a bit of a teaser about what we'll discuss more in the uh, panel discussion. So I, I guess to kind of start, um, the term accessibility and visibility definitely have very different meanings in your work, in your practice, in your organization, um, and different meaning across different sectors. So it's quite interesting to see everyone's kind of really different backgrounds and practice, but also, for example, and how Collingwood Yards sort of cater different sectors and bringing them together. Um, so maybe we can start with, with you, Ed. I can uh, throw it first to you. What does visibility and accessibility um, mean to you, your work, your practice, and your organization. Sure. Um, yeah. So, and to give more context on what we're doing here in Collingwood Yards, we have at Collingwood Yards, we have uh, 30, 35 different organizations housed here, plus another seventeen separate artist studios that are all provided at what we hope to be is affordable rates and for affordable workspace um, for primarily for non-for-profits arts organizations. We also have a number of commercial organizations which pay at or close to the commercial rate to help cross-subsidize that. Um, and I guess that's, that's all to say that for me and for us, I think that visibility and accessibility mean using the gifts and the fruits that we have here, generously given to us by the state government and supported by philanthropy. Um, using these fruits of the Collingwood Yards, our, our very valuable, amazing site for, for good, to allow access and visibility to these resources, um, to practitioners in the arts to be, be seen and be heard and have space to create. And particularly, um, particularly those, those groups and sectors that are obviously, that are often marginalized within the arts or underrepresented. Um, and for us, that means doing whatever we can to ensure that we have a representative mix, particularly of those orgs and artists that are underrepresented and marginalized in the arts. And uh, perhaps not just in the arts, but in wider society as well, of course. Um, and use our platform to elevate those orgs. And for me, and for us, I think it's all about affordable workspace because the price of where you live or where you work is very much dictates who can be there. And I guess a good example of how we enact this through our justice and equity uh, frameworks and policies is the four that actually the social studio and um, arts project are both on is, is a great little microcosm of this. We've got four organizations right next to each other. We've got the social studio, which is education manufacturers. They we said mostly working with uh, refugee and migrant background people from refugee and migrant backgrounds, often culturally and linguistically diverse from the neighborhood of Collingwood often, which is extremely economically, culturally, linguistically diverse because of amazing public housing tracks, you know? And when I think of public housing, like public space, I think of public housing and public transport and, and all public tools, you know? Um, next door to the social studio, we have West Space, which is a long running contemporary art, artist run contemporary art organization doing some of the best merging contemporary art in Australia, 
next door to them, we have SIM and Arts Project working with neurodiverse artists and elevating them. And soon to be moving in next door to them, we have Ilbidgeri Theatre, which is one of Australia's longest running Indigenous theatre companies. And that's just a microcosm of providing affordable space, providing platforms, providing visibility for a range of groups and practitioners at, at various stages of their practice and putting them all together. And I think that's the important thing is putting a contemporary art organisation like West Space next door to the social studio, next door to Bidgery. It's mixing community arts, it's mixing contemporary art and kind of, to me at least, and I think a lot of people take around reminding us of what art is all about, which is making, I think for me, the important thing is making meanings together and and it's bringing contemporary art and down, I don't want to say down, but you know, to the community art level and elevating community art to be considered as contemporary art. And hopefully we can create a space at Collingwood Yards and a platform to, to do that across the board. Excellent. Um, I think that segues really nice with what you mentioned, Sim, earlier in your introduction about expanding um, contemporary art practice, expanding community art. Would you like to add um, to that or just respond to that visibility and accessibility in that context? Yeah, definitely. I think that on a lot of levels, what Ed's describing is what appealed to us a lot at Arts Project in terms of wanting to join Collingwood Yard. So, you know, it's easy even for an organisation like Arts Project who does, you know, we do really good work, we partner with good organisations, we've got fabulous artwork and artists, but it's only, um, it's only as good as the broader advocacy and connectivity and connections that we can make. So it was important to us also where we'd been in Northcote um, for a long time. So we'd been in Northcote for 40 years or so um, and not to just exist in an echo chamber. So part of, I guess, the visibility side is about yeah, joining a precinct that's as ethically driven, I guess, as Arts Project is, so we can see synergies to collaborate to, I guess, strengthen the exposure of artists who you may not traditionally see commonly in major institutions or regularly in major institutions to the level that reflects, I guess, the community that we live in. Um, to the accessibility side, um, you know, even for an organisation like Arts Project, COVID has led us to think about what that means. I, I mean, I sort of said in the intro that accessibility is almost the tools you use to give people that freedom of movement, whether it's digitally or physically. Um, it's the inclusion side where I think there's a lot of advocacy to be had by all of the members of Collingwood Yards led by independent organisations, but also through the leadership of the Collingwood Yards team, where we can really be talking to other organisations, corporates, you know, philanthropics, a wide range of stakeholders and other communities that are perhaps less diverse than Collingwood to sort of really um, demonstrate how this can be done and how inclusivity um, visibility and accessibility can be done, be done well, be done rather than in opposition, be done um, collaboratively and collegially. Uh, you know, those things are very, have been quite core uh, 
to Arts Project, also in the sense that as an organisation, we've always been very open about sharing our resources to strengthen other um, organisations to get, you know, to the level that we have through many, many years of experience. Um, and I just see a lot of potential and possibilities, um, not only in the way we can operate, but also the way we can advocate within the sector, not just the arts, but, you know, much, much, much more broadly. Yeah, that's excellent. Sam. I feel like a lot of the discussion, definitely the term inclusivity have was already mentioned in the 27 minutes we're in um, this Zoom webinar. Um, I'd like to hand it over to Dewi because you also bring in community into the running of the social enterprise. It's very much the core of your um, practice and your organization. Um, yeah, it'd be great to hear from you what the two terms would, uh, would mean in your practice and in your work. Sure, thank you. And I, it was remiss of me to not describe my surroundings and I apologise for that. And I'll do a brief run through for those that may or may not be interested. Um, but I am a half Malay, half white woman um, who uh, is sitting in a workshop studio space and I've got a couple of mannequins behind me with some patchwork jackets that we've been working on at the social studio. I'm wearing a, um, a blue and white scarf and a blue jacket. And there's a lot of mess beyond that as well. Um, so I think when it comes to accessibility, um, our the, the space in which we operate is slightly different um, and we're all different and that's a good thing. Um, we think of accessibility in terms of kind of culturally, socially and emotionally accessible spaces. Um, so we really, um, as a first um, uh, goal are trying to remove barriers towards participation in work and learning for our students. Um, and, you know, education institutions and educational systems can be quite fixed and we really pride ourselves on being flexible. And so that flexibility looks like understanding that in Ramadan, our students aren't necessarily always going to be here, that they might be really tired by the end of the day and they'll have to leave early, that um, for Orthodox Easter, people just won't be able to come to school or they'll have to make up their time. It's understanding um, that uh, for, you know, some students that are travelling from um, the far outer western suburbs, uh, it takes them two hours to get here, that they're not always going to be here for a 10 o'clock start. So it's kind of um, delivering something that is uh, a product or a model that um, broader, you know, society can can enjoy. That's a certificate level degree or, um, or training certificate, but delivering it in a way that works to suit the people that we're trying to serve. Um, and I guess that, you know, we also in practical ways are also trying to make um, even our course content more accessible. Um, we have a few students who have come to us with NDIS plans and we are, we've worked with them and their support workers on ways to, um, you know, support the things that they, that they need help with because um, just like all of our participants, um, many of them, you know, come to us with um, complex backgrounds, um, and uh, but that doesn't mean that they that they can't study, and that doesn't mean that they're not going to do really well at it. Um, so we also have 
most, the majority of our students are multilingual, um, but they may not necessarily be able to um, write a perfect English sentence. Um, again, we've tried to work with our university partner um, to deliver our assessments in ways that um, doesn't preclude them from participation. Um, so that's sometimes delivering them orally or them giving verbal responses. Um, and that is all um, something that we've worked out that um, still meets all the requirements, but it, but doesn't take away from the agency of the person um, to tell them that they can't do something. Um, and so that's accessibility. Um, and, and I guess that's about like creating a creating a, a place of welcome and, and um, encouragement and support. And on the other hand, I think about visibility um, as being a kind of a question about visibility in an internal space and an external space. So I'm sure that, um, you know, we all can understand that sometimes visibility isn't just about the public um, face of visibility, it's about um, being seen and appreciated and believed in within um, a smaller um, environment. So certainly, you know, for us, again, it comes back to kind of recognising the inherent strengths of people um, and really coming from a strengths-based approach um, to the work that we do um, with people with just incredibly rich, diverse cultures and experiences um, where, um, you know, yes, in a practical in a literal way we're teaching them, but honestly, we try to make that as much of an exchange um, as, as possible. And um, the simple act, I think, of just kind of believing people and supporting them um, is, is quite powerful. Um, and then I guess um, visibility in an external sense is obviously um, claiming space within the public eye. And um, it's something I think a lot about because you know, I used to be a journalist a long time, not, not that long ago, actually, but that was my, that was my first career. And, um, and I did a lot of work on um, writing about social issues and um, um, demographic issues and um, dip my toes in urban planning and, and city issues. And um, I think about the way kind of public space and um, towns are planned and conceived of and who they um, who are in the minds of planners when when things are developed and quite often because we work with young people you know young people within a certain age group aren't included in those spaces um, so cities are often for grown-ups and for their kids you know and there's there's definitely like there's really interesting research that that's been done um, surveying the thoughts of young people about what spaces there are for them and because they're at this sort of threshold between childhood and adulthood um, you'll find like a lot of public space isn't really for them they're not they're not going to go to playgrounds um, they're not really welcome in shopping centers you know so so um, I think what we try to do and certainly I know the work that that Ed and Collingwood Yards um, tries to do as well is is create a place that is free from being mediated by um, the, the grown-ups or the like the carers, caregivers and teachers in their lives. Like that's what I think um, what we really want to do is provide a place that they can be um, welcome in and visible within, 
within and then also go out into the world and feel like they're part of um, and allowed to be part of the public space, if that makes sense. Thanks, David. That was excellent. And there's so many points uh, in my notes that we'll get back to, but I'd love to hear from Michael. Um, I think from Sim, Dewi and Ed, uh, there's, because you guys are also working in organizations, there's a lot of talk about that. So I'm interested to uh, hear from an artist's um, level and also from an individual level, what those two terms, visibility and accessibility mean in your practice. Yeah, um, thanks, Bianca. Um, yeah, for, for me, uh, Visibility um, at arts projects has been, you know, th things like the, the annual exhibition at the end of the year where everyone's included and other exhibitions for individual artists during the year. And also the, you know, arts projects submitting works to other galleries and entering competitions and selling works to, um, through um, the various art fairs. And occasionally um, by um, organising commissions for artists. And for, um, for accessibility, um, I, my you know my my work would be, is obviously accessible through the Arts Project website, and and the exhibition I just curated with the Art Etel um, on the Art Etel website um, is a, which is a new and inclusive platform in the digital space, and that offers um, easy easy read downloads and uh, tech. Um, text to, to speech PTS technology and which is where it takes the words on the computer or, or other digital devices and converts them into audio so yeah that's, thanks thanks that's excellent I, I think it's great to have um, digital space in sort of appearing in our conversation as well yeah. because that is a really big platform on itself and it does provide visibility and accessibility to a wider public so yeah I think it's it's great and it's fantastic to hear what all those those terms I can already see some overlaps um, with things like collaboration and exchange and providing a welcoming space so I think what would be interesting for us to reflect together is uh, with working in public space with um, all of your practices I think there is also a challenge with creating or cultivating a welcoming space for people to come in, for communities to join, um, for the public to participate. So I'd, I'd like to throw it to you guys about um, what are some of these challenges and what needs to change to better create visibility and accessibility to cultural spaces. So um, I might hand it over to Sim first, uh, if that's okay. Thank you again. I, I just before I go into that, I just wanted to pick up on a couple of points that Dewi mentioned that I thought was also important to reflect on for Arts Project that, you know, essentially we exist for the artists that we're supporting. And, you know, there were some terms that you were using, Dewi, that uh, we can relate to very well, which has to do with those internal, external spaces, but also um, creating a welcome space, not only for the public, and people to interact but for the artist to come and then for the artist to be able to come and exist in a space like Collingwood Yards and consider themselves part of that community. Um, it's been very hard in COVID to fully realise that for our arts project artists um, because they haven't come across to Collingwood Yards so much yet outside of our professional development program that um, artists that Michael touched on. Um, 
I also, another thing that occurred to me as we were talking is, um, you know, I think the need when you're also talking to people who aren't sort of at the centre, always put at the centre within public spaces or within the arts, um, that it's really important to create a safe space. And I think just even the natural lay of the land at Collingwood Yards, the way it's constructed with a central meeting point um, or a central courtyard where people are going to be able to get together and mingle and meet different people, not just the public coming in, but each other. We haven't had the opportunity because of COVID to fully experience or realise that yet. But I think... A big thing about, you know, particularly around access or bringing people into spaces to mingle or collaborate really comes down to whether people feel safe entering that space. And um, that partly has to do with programming. It partly has, has to do with architecture um, and also creating the necessary access points where, you know, for our artists it's about supporting you know their greater exposure but it's also supporting them to feel that they can come into a space like Collingwood and really sort of claim it as a part of you know the community that they belong to and can participate in and that they could potentially walk into the social studios or walk into West Space and feel welcomed by the people that are there, but also by what they can access depending on what their individual needs are. Um, as I said, that's yet to play out in many respects, but again, um, it's the support in terms of accessibility that organisations like Social Studio and Arts Project particularly do to also supporting each other to yeah, open up those spaces so that it becomes very fluid and that will take time and learning and sharing and all of those sorts of things as well. But um, I think uh, the organisations that are coming to Collingwood are pretty well equipped to also help form um, some of that decision-making and I think that there are various committees that everyone's a part of within this ecosystem that will help to feed and shape that and it's critical that... Um, you know, the students as part of Social Studio and the artists as part of Arts Projector and other organisations in the precinct are very much a part of that process and feel welcome to, you know, voice what it is that they think can help better that environment. Thanks, Sim. Um, Ed, would you like to jump in? I feel like that was a, a good segue to Collingwood Yards and it'll be interesting also as you are really in the middle of it and after a very uh, long 2020 in lockdown, how Collingwood Yards um, is building community, is welcoming community into the space. Um, and as Sim said, allowing for these spaces to be fluid. And uh, I guess what's involved in that process, what are some of the challenges and um, what kind of change do you think need to happen um, as you cultivate these spaces? Yeah, um, I think Sim and Dewey and Mark all said some very pointing points there. And um, particularly for us, you know, as you mentioned, despite it's been a long year, we, we are kind of just getting started. And our courtyard, it does have a bit of work left to be done, a bit of landscaping that we need to raise some money for. But it, it's essentially, it 
for us, it's a blank canvas and we're kind of keen to keep it that way at the moment with, we are aware that it is pretty natural to be drawn into filling it with events and filling it with commercial activity and trying to make money out of it, making things happen there. And we do do some events from time to time that we pick up opportunistically when, when they're aligned with our tenants and our values and maybe we can make a little income off them. But at the moment, we're keen to leave it just like a, a good piazza in Spain or something is, is a blank canvas for potential to occur and, and 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 see where things go and we'll support our tenants as much as possible in in making what they want to happen happen in that space and by our tenant curation we hope that that will welcome diverse communities into the space and make them feel seen and heard and be visible I mean we're Really disappointed to be able not be able to run an event that Sim and Arts Project were putting on a few weeks ago that was going to have banners of all their artists plastered around the courtyard, you know, and some really amazing neurodiverse artist works up everywhere and couldn't happen, but we're getting there. <laughs> and you know, we had Dewey's students banner up um, for a long time and it pops up again and again. So I think it's really important so people can see their work up on the walls, is one small way. Um, and another key. I mean, yeah, so like I said, we're just getting started and we are starting to kick off our community committees and groups and programs that will open up the forum for feedback and input on how we can make the space more accessible. It is currently a blank canvas. I think it's they did a pretty good job with the architecture, but there's a long way we can go to bring people in and that, that can happen with events, that can happen with uh, different kinds of interventions across the site, signage, communication, et cetera. But, the key principle, I think, at the moment for us is that it's not, they we said, a space mediated by the grown-ups, but it's also not a space mediated by profit at the moment, you know, where it's, it's just an empty space in the middle of Collingwood, which in its own is actually extraordinarily rare. And yes, we do have, you know, a there's a restaurant which takes that one little end. We're careful not to let them take over the whole thing, but there's a restaurant, there's galleries broadening it, but it's kind of like that... Um, like I said, the European piazza model with a big empty space full of potential and how we can activate that potential and give these groups that might otherwise feel marginalised from other spaces access to it is, is something that we're working on. We're directing my role to. We're looking at other resources. We were lucky to get a Vic Health grant with City of Yarra and we've been rolling out a bunch of programs, including microgrants to our tenants to be able to support them and putting on smaller events and we'll be doing co-produced programs with them. We've also keep keep one for us is working closely with our First Peoples Reference Group, um, which is a bunch of traditional owners, elders, First Nations, tenants, which help us on anything from designer spaces to onboarding First Nations tenants. And a key role for them, as they see it, is to ensure that the space is culturally safe and culturally accessible for First Nations peoples. And um, that's always a work in progress. I'd never say that we've fully achieved that and all of this is for us and we're happy to be critiqued and, and to progress on any of those things. But the fact that we have Ilbidgeri Theatre moving in in the next few months and another a great roster of First Nations tenants, I think is, is good evidence of that. We have managed to a bar creating culturally safe spaces and as, as we know, you know, being seen or seen, seen like is, is the way to create and continue that kind of accessibility. Um, yeah. Um, yeah so, go ahead, Michael. I was, yeah, I just thought um, I should add um, 
yeah, lots of people with disability can't can't drive, mm. and I'm, but I'm I'm one of them, and so I think it's been really great that uh, Collingwood Yards is you know well serviced by um, the Victoria Park train station, which is about a ten minute walk, and the route uh, number eighty six tram, um, which just goes down Smith Street, which is very just a minute only minutes away, um, and it's a bit of a bugbear of mine. Um, you know, there's certain places that, that are just not served by public transport, you know, for, um, you know, you know, for, you know, for me, you know, Tarawara Museum of Modern Art has been a, is a, a, a case where, where, you know, you have to ask the bus driver, you know, I, I want to get off here. There's no, there's no designated bus stop. There's no mm. safe place to, there's no safe place to get off or get on. I had to, you know, he, he basically said, you know, walk, walk, you know, 25 metres, you know, down some such and such, you know, you're stuck in some ditch or, you know, if the weather's really hot or cold, you know, mm. it's not great. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think it's, yeah. Sorry, Michael, go ahead. Yeah, I just think, yeah, that's something that people need to think about um, and just not presu presume that everyone drives. Yeah, and I think that's evidence for me of um, why Spaces in our like this in our inner city are so important, you know, and not just big flashy ones, but like a diversity of them. And we, we don't think we're fulfilling all of the need, or even really with you know the tip of the iceberg. But diversity of affordable art spaces, affordable creative spaces, workspaces, public spaces, accessible by transport, close to the city, you know, um, which gentrification tends to push out. And there's an assumption that you can just keep pushing it out. I don't think you can. And particularly if our public transport infrastructure does not keep up with our, that, you know. Um, so, yeah, thanks I'm sure for other groups, I mean, both your points are just really poignant. I think particularly creating spaces where it is easy for people with speaking on, not on behalf of people with disability, but with the knowledge of how people get around and move around space, um, it's, yeah, it's quite critical that uh, centres where people can access and be part of a community are accessible by public transport and um, and that there are various entry points. I mean, I think that's just, you know, through the planning or a little bit of fortuitous, um, you know, uh, architecture that's come with Collingwood Yards has allowed a number of points where people can actually get in an access space um, so that you're not being so directed down, particularly if you're in a wheelchair or you have some sort of mobility issues or whatever. All these things are considerations that people, um, some people with disabilities sort of have to consider everywhere that they move. One of our artists in Mentor who would have been part of the launch project um, a few weeks ago that was cancelled came in to the space in the city uh, or from the city and came into the gallery and she was having a tough day um, that day and just said how great it was to have a second safe space for her as an artist to be able to visit that was also outside of Northcote and I think, um, you know, back to that point of creating spaces that are welcome and supportive and safe spaces, it's critical to how you're going to be able to engage a wider public. Yeah, and I mean, that sorry, physical... I'm sorry, Ed, go ahead. No, I was just going to wrap up and say, you know, we're talking a lot about 
the broader accessibility of it. And there's also the core obvious physical accessibility. And, you know, uh, for us, a key part of our construction was putting in permeable accessibility throughout the precinct and lifts to all levels, every space is fully accessible by wheelchair at least. And we're working yeah. towards full accessibility. I'm sorry, Dave, we've got on. That's okay. And I know Bianca, you probably want to wrap us up anyway, but I just, I wanted to make a point on the idea of inclusivity, um, linking that to visibility that I, I just think that it's, um, you know, Ed said that the work hasn't, isn't done yet. And I think it's really true that I think, you know, institutions from ACCA to Collingwood Yards to even organisations like ours, you know, SIM, um, the onus is really on us um, to, to work hard at um, encouraging participation and encouraging visibility and inclusivity. The onus shouldn't be on our communities to participate. Um, it's really on us to earn their trust. And I think, um, you know, when you build trust, then you build deeper wells of social capital. And that's kind of, I think, what we're all trying to do. But, um, you know, Bianca, you asked about like what a challenge might be. And I feel like the challenge sort of sits in there as well, because um, I think that I certainly, and I'm sure all of us feel the same way, you don't really want to be the arbiter of who gets to participate and who doesn't. So like, how do you just like break down all the walls? Like how do you just tear it all apart so that whomever wants to can join in? And I think that's something that we're still trying to figure out as well. And, and how do you do that as a kind of a cultural offering or a cultural institution? Yeah, and I think it to that point comes back to other discussion points about being flexible. It comes down to intention and just having the fluidity to be open to those suggestions and changes and for that input to come from, you know, any anyone really to help shape how you can do better and to also not say, you know, Arts Project coming to Collingwood Yards has allowed and also having to move to a lot of virtual programming has made us have to reconsider how we do things and that's not to tick off a list and say, okay, we're done. It's to say that this is ever evolving. It's just continuously having to revisit, re-question. Um, and so you have that continual um, conversation loop. Yeah, I think things are getting better all the time. I mean, I know that I think Bachrand Stadium even has um, autism friendly rooms for people to, you know, when they want to watch a sporting event, because I mean, why should they be? not have the opportunity to you know watch watch live sport like like other people but also um places like the um major institutions like the ngv have have, have um offered um kind of kind of before before um our hours normal hour um kind of autism friendly viewing viewing times so that you know things like um there's obviously a lot less um a lot less uh people um so it's a lot quieter and yeah and and then there are also things like gal galleries are starting to offer um um uh, large text text cards in their gallery spaces which is um which is very useful use, uh, useful for people with uh, site issues so yeah things are slowly changing yeah 
Yeah. Well, Michael, thank you. That was great because that also answered one of the questions that we got in the mm -hmm. Q&A tab, which is, um, would like to know more about how to support people with disability, including in invisible disability, to access public spaces in general and art spaces in particular, which is also something that I think we've all kind of touched upon. And I think with technology, with digital platforms, um, and of course, with the physical accessibility, and as you mentioned, um, all of that needs to be considered kind of um, together. I, I think what we got so far in the conversation that really struck me, especially from that last point, Dewi, that you made um, in SIM, is this idea that institutions and organizations sort of almost have to become a bit vulnerable uh, to, be, to open themselves up for dialogue, for criticism, for um, and to really engage community in that way instead of um, this is who can and can't come in. We need to be as open as possible and kind of be vulnerable in a positive way um, and if you know with mistakes happening kind of owning up to it as well and I feel like that's some of the challenges that as organizations instead of being defensive but really truly owning it creating that welcoming space and really kind of paving the way um, for communities together so I it was yeah I feel like we can go on and I we still have five minutes so I'd love to hear if anybody have like um final words or um, I do really think that the conversation is really important to have and not to like kind of float away. <laughs> I feel uh, like it's definitely yeah. something that's important uh, to keep going. I would, I'd like to add just uh, since, since um, a lot of this has happened since COVID really, um, the pandemic, um, the, the, the galleries have expanded a lot more digitally such as, you know, the NGV, um, who have made available on their website, um, you know, interactive virtual self-guided tours, Zoom exhibition talks and live events, uh, YouTube videos and, and podcasts. So there's a lot of, there's lots of potential there, I, I believe. And Arts Project, is, oh, Arts Project, sorry, Arts Project has also been um, um, delivering sessions with, um, by Zoom through the lockdowns. Um, and so, and also, also offering sessions to people who live in, in um, country Victoria and, and in other states. So there's, there's some really uh, exciting possibilities there. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks. I'm sure. I'm sure the um, it's, it seems like one of the silver linings of this lockdown has been, to, from my perspective, at least vastly increased digital accessibility for so many platforms. You know, which is interesting. Um, and I just wanted to touch on what you uh, uh, reinforce what you were saying, Bianca, about you. Yeah, vulnerability and openness to critique and we try and create these forums for feedback at Collingwood Yards and you know it's easy to easy to say and harder to do but I think it's really important for you know to, perhaps it's like institutional fragility you know where institutions are afraid of being criticized I think particularly for us we're at an open start open early stage of our development and all our tenants are founding the space with us and for us it's really important to be to be tenant led and we're trying to set up platforms for this exchange and to allow our tenants and their cohort and their students etc to to shape us um, at the same time we realize recognize that it's important to not just rely on our tenants and our cohort to their cohorts to do the work for us you know for us it's not like oh great we've got some diverse tenants so our our justice and equity is done you know that's that's just where it starts and we shouldn't be necessarily leaning on our on our tenants who just want to do their work or just make art to be filling that that goal for us so that there's plenty of work to be done and we're, we're really looking forward into getting into that over the next 
few years, you know. I mean, I've been working here for four years, but we've really just started, which is the exciting thing. And, you know, it's, it's frustrating to be interrupted by COVID time and time again. But I think the community that we're building here on site, the more we can open the space up to make it theirs, um, the, the more inclusive it will be. And I'll riff off Ed's words there just to say that I think the um, future possibilities for positive change are also the challenges. So I say this in a positive light, that now that even through the pandemic, these silver linings have been, been identified, it's about embracing them and embedding them structurally within organisations, um, you know, across you know, even, you know, for corporates and for people outside of the arts to really take heed to, for arts organisations and major institutions to now be listening to what the public want and um, creatives need in terms of seeing themselves reflected in institutions, pulling this across entire programming, not just, um, you know, ticking a box of an exhibition, um, touching what Ed's saying, not saying that we've hit that equity mark, but um, continuing to revisit that and ensuring that we're sort of embedding these best practices across everything we do. So even on the digital front, continuing that. Um, so there's a lot of positives, I think, to sort of take forward but we definitely need to create the space for more individuals to really see themselves reflected in public spaces. Wonderful. Thank you so much, everyone. That's, uh, Sam, I think that's a fantastic way to wrap up our um, conversation. Um, I feel like we can go on and on, and I'd love to, again, touch base. Um, we can all kind of zoom in together and have a more kind of relaxed chat that is not a, a webinar format, but um, I'd like to thank all of our panel members again. Um, thank you, Sim, Dewi, Michael, and Ed, um, and thank you to everyone for joining. Um, thanks to Arts Project Australia for uh, partnering with us on this think tank. Um, again, this is recorded for video and podcast release, so we'll be publishing that soon. Um, and we look forward to seeing you in the next one. Thanks, everyone.